This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. In Romans 10, 9, when he says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, Believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So confess what? Confess him as the eternal one. Confess him as the creator. Confess him as, as God who became a man, as God the Son, as the Messiah, as the Lamb of God. All of this is tied up in this confession. But what he was saying here in verses 32 and 33 where we're studying here is that there's a reciprocity is a reciprocal response on his part. Person who receives the Lord Jesus Christ, as he's described in John chapter 1, then the Lord Jesus receives him into heaven. Person who does not receive the Lord Jesus Christ, as laid out in John 1, then the Lord does not receive that person into heaven. Person who confesses that the Lord Jesus is, as he's described in John chapter 1, then the Lord confesses that that person is one of his own before the Father. person who denies that the Lord Jesus is as he is described, then he denies that he's not one of his own. So this is the, how it goes back and forth. Just like when a man of God came to a prophet named Eli in 2 Samuel 2.30 and rebuked Eli because he did not restrain his sons that were out of control, totally out of control. They were priests, and he didn't restrain them. And he said these words to him. He says in 1 Samuel 2.30, Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed unto thy house, and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and them that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You know, it's very easy. When you look at verses like this, verses 32 and 33, you look at verses like that, you say, oh, boy says that if I deny the Lord, he's going to deny me. Maybe I denied him once. So what does that mean? 
It's not referring to a momentary denial. There may be a time when you didn't confess the Lord. Maybe a time when I didn't confess the Lord. But the confession and the denying here is not based on a one-time event. A confession and denying is based on a life of confession, a life of denying. For example, Judas Iscariot confessed the Lord Jesus. And Peter denied the Lord Jesus, but the Lord Jesus did not confess the confessing Judas, and the Lord Jesus did not denying Peter. Why? Because the confession of Judas was hypocritical, and the denial of Peter was a momentary weakness that was immediately followed by a deep repentance. Now, in verse 32, when it says, whosoever therefore shall confess, what it literally reads there. It says, whosoever therefore shall confess in me. That's what's what it says. The Greek says that. It says, in me. In other words, the meaning is that a person confesses the Lord Jesus from being in Christ. And that's a term the Bible uses to express this. In Christ expresses this vital union with Christ. A vital union. It's a term the Bible uses there. For example, it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ. He's a new creature with old things passed away and all things are become new. So this is a confession in verse 32. It's not a confession from a person whose life is detached from Christ. It's a confession of a person whose life is fused with Christ. It's not a confession of persons. Well, yes, you know, I, I was taught that in catechism and I, and I do believe that Jesus Christ is God. No, this is a confession from a person who's in Christ, who's saying, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is God, and I've made him the God of my life. Yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, and I've made him my Lamb of God to take my sin away. That's the confessions from a person who is at unity with Christ. In the face of persecution, it's not done by this by a person who says, I can do this. I can confess Christ. My own self-will, my own strength, it's not that at all. What it is is uh, coming from Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's done in Christ or through Christ. So this is a confession that John referred to in 1 John 4.15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God dwelleth in him and he in God. This is what it means to be in Christ. God dwelleth in him and he in God. Just like we heard Earlier in the service before, our brother Ken quoted that verse where he talked about, this is the mystery, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, you know, I always appreciated this about Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim, which, you know, he was known as Pastor Jim because he was a pastor. So the Jewish people, we all go to San Diego, we went around visiting Jewish people, and they'd hear that he was a pastor, and right away, click, it would go into their mind, oh, yeah, he's a paid professional. The paid professional pastor. We got to listen to him. Now, we don't have to listen to him, but he's going to talk like he's going to talk because he's a professional. And Jim would always say, I'm not telling you this because it's my profession. I'm telling you this because it's my confession. That's <laughs> the way he used to put it. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men. Now, in order for us to understand why a person would deny the Lord Jesus Christ, it has to be looked at from the perspective of who he was giving this warning to. He was speaking to Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, after I, my story, 
I, as a Jewish teenager, because I was a teenager, and 19 is still a teenager. I don't know if you knew that or not. It still has teen on the end of it. So I was a teenager, and I came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what I was called, and I learned very soon about this new Hebrew name, which I guess my life was not complete until I knew this name, which was Meshumad. Meshumad. So Meshumad, the old Jewish ladies used to call me Meshumad. They still do. Anyway, Meshumad is Hebrew. It means one that is destroyed, a person that is destroyed or a traitor or an apostate. So what the view was at that time, what the view is today among the Jewish people is that it's like a crime for a Jewish person to believe in Jesus. The name of Jesus evokes a, a, a strong response, a hatred in most of the Jewish people. You know, just this last week, I called my nefesh benefesh advisor. Soul to soul, I mean, the organization is called nefesh benefesh. Anyway, my advisor is Leah in Jerusalem, and she had the assignment, from, she was assigned to me to get me my Israeli citizenship under Israel's law of return, the, the law of return that guarantees that every Jew has the right to become an Israeli citizen. So the law of return, it was enacted after World War II, and it made Israel the, was the, like the fulfillment of the Jewish state, Israel being a Jewish state, because there were countries during World War II that most countries denied Jews entry and made them feel as they were. They had no home. So the country of Israel said, there's got to be a place in the world, there's got to be a country in the world where Jews can freely be welcomed if this is their home, and, and Israel's a country. Okay, so I applied for, for, Israeli, for Israel for citizenship based on the law of return. And Leah told me that, I called her last week, and I told her, you know, it's taken such a long time, over a year, it's only supposed to take six months, make a decision for the Ministry of Interior to make a decision. So I called her and asked about it. She says, yeah, it did take a long time. She said, so I decided to Google you, uh-oh, to see if maybe you were a Meyer Lansky or a Mickey Cohen or a, maybe you had some legal problems, you were a criminal or something, you know. Maybe you're a Bugsy Siegel. I don't know. Anyway, so she Googles me, and she told me, you know, there's a lot written about you online. I said, you're kidding. <laughs> she said, it looks like you changed your religion. And, you know, being a very compassionate psychiatrist, she said, would you like to lay down here on the couch and tell me about it? So I said, well, Leah, I said, you know, I found no reality in the synagogue. She goes, yes, I understand. I didn't find reality in the synagogue either. And I told her that I didn't have a religion. I said, I had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The minute I said that name, Jesus, everything in the conversation changed. And then she told me it's going to be very difficult for you to get citizenship. She told me the only way for you to get citizenship is to go to a synagogue, tell a rabbi that you renounce Jesus, and you're converting back to Judaism. Now, I don't know what it meant to convert back to Judaism because she has nothing to do with the synagogue, So, and she's a Jew, and so and I have nothing to do with the synagogue, just like her, but the only difference is Jesus. That's the only difference. So that meant that for me to become a Jew again simply meant that I had to renounce Jesus. Renounce him how? That he is, as he's described in John chapter 1, the eternal one, the creator, the God who came to earth as a man, the Messiah, the only sacrifice to take away sins, all of those things. So then I decided to call the Jewish agency in, in Jerusalem itself, who's responsible for sending my application over the Ministry of Interior, and get a final decision. I said, fine, 
get it. But that's it. I'll get a final decision. Then I'll be just close that chapter. And I spoke with Dahlia. And Dahlia asked me, what's your tie to Judaism? Well, you know, what I mean, my tie to Judaism. I was born a Jew. I'm still a Jew. You know, last time I checked anyway. And I found no reality in the synagogue. And then she asked me, what do you believe? So I told her, I said, I believe in Jesus. She said, as soon as I said the name Jesus, there was like a shot of fire came flashing over the phone there. Instantly, she said to me, Isn't, citizenship is not available to you. And that was the end of the conversation. Why? Because for a Jewish person to believe in Jesus is viewed in spirit like a crime. And that's why the Lord Jesus gives this strong warning in verses 32 and 33. This is the context that it has to be looked at to understand. He's speaking to Jewish believers in him who are being sent out to the Jewish people who view what they've done as believing in Jesus as a crime. And so he's warning them, don't be ashamed. King David said in Psalm 119, verse 46, he said, I'll speak of your testimonies before kings and will not be ashamed. Paul said, in this subject being shamed, he said in Romans 1.16, Romans 1.16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And being ashamed of the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus actually addressed this in Mark 8.38 when he says, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. It's like the hymn puts it, Jesus, and shall it ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee whom angels praise, whose glory shine through endless days? Jesus, may this my glory be that he's not ashamed of me. The Lamb of God, my Savior slain, he washed me clean from sin's dark stain. So when the Lord Jesus says he's going to be ashamed of those who are ashamed of him, when the Lord Jesus says he's going to deny those who deny him, he's talking about the worst words that a person could ever hear. And those worst words are in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. We already saw them. That a person can ever hear is when the Lord Jesus looks at a person and says, I never knew you. I never knew you. There's no words worse than that that a person could hear. Those last words from the lips of the Lord Jesus that will continue to resound in, that, in a person's ears, in a person's heart, in a person's soul for all eternity. He said to me, I never knew you. And the reason those are the worst words that a person can hear is because of the words that come after that in Matthew 7, 23. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Is the same as we're reading here in this verse 32. Him also, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Now, what precedes this, these words in, in Matthew 7, 23 of I never knew you is very interesting because it says many in verse 22, Matthew 7, 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me that work iniquity. So basically, there's going to be many people, as he said it, many people are going to come to him and say, Lord, Lord. They're going to say, Lord, Lord, on the judgment day. 
They're going to say something. What they're meaning when they say that is, Lord, Lord, you know us. You know us, don't you? We preached in your name. We, we cast out devils in your name. We did many wonderful works in your name. We did lots of humanitarianism works under the name of Christian. Surely you know us. You have to know us because of everything we did in your name. We're famous Christian workers. And the Lord's going to look at them and say, Ah, I don't remember you coming to me, crying out to me for mercy as a dirty, rotten sinner. I don't remember that. I don't remember you submitting to my lordship over your life. I don't remember you waking up each day and and saying, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. I don't remember you even caring about my way. I don't don't remember. I don't know you as someone who was born again. I don't know you as a new creature in Christ. I don't know you as a person who ever said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I. Christ liveth in me. I don't remember you you standing up for me to those who rejected me. I deny you. And that's equivalent to God the Father turning to the Lord Jesus at that time and saying, do you know him? Do you know him? And the Lord Jesus saying to the Father, no, Father, I really don't know him. I don't know him. And all of that before this terrible sentence rings out in that Matthew 7, 23, depart from me, you that work iniquity. Now, on the other hand, to have God the Father ask the Son, ask the Lord Jesus Christ, do you know that believer? Do you know that person there? And have the Son say, oh, yes, Father, oh, yes, I know him. He did come to me broken and crying out for mercy as a dirty, rotten sinner. He believed into me. And ever since that day when he came to me in repentance, we've been good friends. So standing in that judgment and having the Lord Jesus stand up and defend a person is really to see the Lord Jesus as the advocate, as the lawyer, is to see him as the first, in the context of 1 John 2, 1, 1 John 2, 1. Little children, these things are right unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So for a person to stand in that judgment day and see the Lord Jesus mediate between that person and God to appease the wrath of God is to see the Lord Jesus in the context of 1 Timothy 2.5. There's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I mean, it's frightening to think of a person standing there all alone with no help, no support in the final judgment there and not seeing the Lord Jesus as the one who steps in between. That's what the word intercessor means, steps in between. In Romans 8, 34, who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died. Yea, rather it's risen again, who also maketh intercession for us. It's stepping in between. And this thought of, of not having anybody there to, to be for us, not having the Lord Jesus Christ there for us, as it's, uh, it's terrifying. But this is wonderful where we have the Hebrews 9, 24, Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. That's the wonderful thing. To have the Lord Jesus confess a believer before the Father means to see him as the 1 John 2, 9 advocate, to see him as the 1 Timothy 2, 5 mediator, to see him as the Romans 8, 34 intercessor, to see him as the Hebrews 9, 24 us. How could anyone even think 
of standing there in that final judgment without the Lord Jesus Christ being all of that for them. To have to appear alone without him is what the Bible calls the terror of the Lord. That's the terror of the Lord. That's the terror of the Lord, to stand there. And it's a good thing for us to think about that, to think about a person standing there all alone with that terror of the Lord. Why? Because the more we think about that terror of the Lord, the more we're going to give ourselves to become what the Bible calls persuaders, persuaders of people to come to Christ. It says that before it's too late, this is, this is what it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.11, knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. The more we know of the terror of the Lord, the more we will persuade men. This is the fuel, the thinking, the considering, the reflecting on, the letting of letting this terror of the Lord into us, the more we do that, that's the fuel that generates the burning passion inside of us to do whatever you want to call it, persuade the lost to be saved, evangelize the unconverted, share Christ. It's all generated inside of us by knowing the terror of the Lord. Knowing what that's, just imagining what that's like to have to stand there all alone in the final judgment and to hear those words, I never knew you, to hear those words condemned, to hear those words depart from me, to hear those words cast away, to hear those words abandoned by God into an eternity of darkness. In other words, we're only going to persuade. We're only, let's be honest, we're only going to persuade. We're only going to give ourselves to, see, try, to really do whatever it takes to get the lost saved if we know the terror of the Lord, if we know that. The more we reflect on the love of God, the more we'll put our trust in him. But the more we reflect on the anger of God, the terror, then the more we're going to persuade, as is put in Psalm 90, verse 11, Psalm 90, verse 11. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So after I told Dahlia in Jerusalem that I believed in Jesus, I told you her response. But my response, what happened to me is I, I felt such a relief. I felt such a relief. Why? I was trying to get the Israeli citizenship, and Mama didn't raise no dummy here. So during my whole year, of seeking Israeli citizenship, I avoided saying anything about Jesus. Just, just didn't touch what for me was the most important subject in my life, Jesus. But as soon as I said to Dahlia in Jerusalem, I'm not beating around any bush here, I believe in Jesus, I experienced such a relief, such a joy. Okay, it's on the table now. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Do what you want with me, but I believe in Jesus. Tell me I'm no longer a Jew, but I believe in Jesus. Tell me that I, as a Jew, am a criminal for doing that. But I believe in Jesus. Deny me the legal right of return that my ancestors died for. But I believe in Jesus. Close the door to me like all the other nations did to the Jews during the Nazi reign. But I believe in Jesus. Bar me from the Jewish state of Israel. Put the sign up there in front of me. It says, no Jews allowed who believe in Jesus. But I believe in Jesus. So to be finally asked, what do you believe? And to finally say, I believe in Jesus, it felt good. I can tell you it felt good. Because every person on earth falls into one of two categories. 
those who confess the Lord Jesus Christ and those who deny the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.